am Pastor Julie, the executive pastor here, and I am really excited about the message this morning. But it is a deep and robust message, so we are going to jump right in. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? So God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for good instruction by the Holy Spirit. God, we say and we just declare that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that will receive what you're trying to say to us today. And so God, we just, we open ourselves up and invite you to speak to us this morning in ways that transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, are you guys ready to get started? Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Well, I got to tell you, I get the privilege of following Pastor Haley last week, who brought an amazing message on the season of Lent. And she summarized it so well. I always like a really good short summary. It's easy to take with us, but she summarized it really well in that she said that Lent is a season of renewal whereby we look more like Christ. So Lent, season of renewal, whereby the result is that we look more like Christ. And it was crazy. We ended up having over 115 people sign up to take the Lent journey with us over these 40 days. So I'm so, I, I was like, I was so proud of you guys. And I was just really honored that like Mike and I are doing this with, with everybody. And it was great. We, we had a, we called it a wallenge because it was a challenge, but it was a win. We didn't have enough chairs in the room. We had to go rent chairs because this room was being used in the chair. We had to go, I'm like, Billy, run down and rent some chairs. People want to do Lent. And so we were like, this is a great wallenge. It was a wallenge. It was a good challenge to have. But I was really, really um, just proud of everybody and just excited that we sit in a congregation of people that are hungry for God. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the things about Lent, and, and by the way, if you didn't listen to that message, you can go on our YouTube channel. You definitely should. You should. It was a really great message. She did a great job. But there was a couple things that Haley described that typically happen during this season of Lent. So Lent is a season leading up to Easter, and there are some spiritual, we can call them disciplines or spiritual exercises that typically happen during the season of Lent. There's prayer. There's meditation. There's giving of alms to the poor. So giving to the poor, that was a huge component of Lent. And what I feel is probably one of the most life-changing spiritual disciplines in this season, which is fasting. Now, just the mention of the name. How many of y'all just got hungry? Like, what is that? What is that? Just a mention of the name fasting, and you're like, I think I need a pizza. Like, you don't even want healthy food, because nobody wants healthy food on a fast. You want probably things you don't even normally eat. You want a pizza. You want french fries. You might not even be a person that wakes up in the morning hungry, but when you are fasting, you do, right? So just a mention of the name, just a mention of the word fasting is trigger for being hungry. And I know that that was the case with me. I was probably for multiple decades, the world's worst faster. So the moment that I started fasting, I immediately wanted things I shouldn't have. I was immediately hungry when I normally wasn't. And not only hungry, I was hangry. I was hangry. So like, bless my husband. I'm like, babe, I'm going on a fast. He's like, I'm going on vacation. 
Like seriously, so I'm going on a fast. Don't talk to me this week because I'm going on a fast. And so he's just like, okay, like, you know, my wife is fasting. I should be really quiet and pick up my stuff and not use any dishes. And heaven help me, why are you eating in front of me? That, that was me. And I am growing and I am still in a journey to appreciate and to learn. And thankfully, God is so patient and merciful with my progress. And he has changed a lot of my perspectives of what a fast means in my life personally. But today, I just really want to, the Lord has said, this was something that he said this morning to me. He said that there are people coming to sit in church or tuning in that have ceased to be hungry for me. Like you're you can't remember the last time you were hungry for God. Like you've ceased to be hungry. And, and I thought through that and I said, God, I remember times in my life when I ceased to be hungry for God. And the Lord said, but the good news is, Julie, today we're going to be hungry. Today God wants to activate hunger in your life in a way that you have not experienced before, that you're going to leave this room or you're going to turn off the message and you're going to find yourself spiritually hungry, hungry, like we call it hungry, hungry, like hungry for the right things. And, and the Lord has promised to be merciful with you and grace filled with you in the process. But I'm excited that we're leaving change today. Amen. Amen. So the title of the message is three ways that fasting will change your life. And notice I say will because it will, because I'm certain that it will, because that will is fully dependent upon God, fully dependent upon God. So three ways that fasting will change your life. Now, here's the deal. We're going to do a topical study on fasting. So I just want to kind of give a disclaimer. When we're working through a passage of the Bible, because, you know, we're a church, we teach the Bible. When we're working through a passage of the Bible, we sometimes get into a text and we sit there and we, you know, we take it apart. There's different ways that we do it. But in a topical study, we have a concept, which is fasting, and we pull in things from the whole canon of scripture that support and kind of paint a picture about what this is, why it is, how it is. And that's the type of study that we're going to do today. So I'm going to move slowly, but I'm going to cover kind of a broad spectrum of scriptures from the Old Testament, Moses, all the way through the New Testament, <laughs> Jesus and the early church. So you ready? You ready to hang with me? All right. Awesome. So we're going to take a topical look at this topic of fasting. So by definition, a biblical fast is voluntarily, everybody say voluntarily. voluntarily. So we can all smile because I'm not forcing you to do anything. You get to volunteer, not be voluntold because I have been known to do that. I do. I will voluntold you so quick. Not even funny. And so, but this is a voluntary abstaining of food for spiritual purposes. So you're like, Pastor Julie, what about, you know, when I want to just not watch Netflix? And I'm like, well, that's an abstaining. And that's awesome because there are times in the Bible where the Lord asked people to abstain from certain activities. For instance, 
he asks husbands and wives to abstain from intimacy for the purpose of prayer and seeking God. He asked John the Baptist to abstain from strong drink or fermented drink his whole life. He asked Samson, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, to not cut his hair. That didn't work out very well for him, right? He didn't listen very well. But in the end, the story has a good ending, right? But there's times when the Lord has said, abstain from this. But generally, when the Bible speaks about fasting, it is speaking about not eating food. In fact, the root word, the original word fasting is the word sum. It's T-S-U-W-M. And it means to cover the mouth. So the, so the word is actually even rooted in this like cover the mouth, which um, so, it, so as we're talking and we're looking at these instances in scripture of people who fasted, as we're studying that, this was a process of not eating food. Now, of course, there are other things that go with that. I was fasting, I was praying, I was whatever the Lord has asked of those people. And sometimes they were kind of crazy things, but there was always this con concept of not eating food. So for our purposes, that's what we're going to talk about today. The fast that I'm talking about is a fast of not eating food. Now, one of the things from a spiritual perspective, the act of not eating food it prioritizes a hunger for God over a hunger for our flesh, Amen. right? So the act of not eating food, I'm like, I'm hungry, but I'm more hungry for God. So it's, it's like a prophetic act, but it, we're going to find as we move through the study that the hunger for food is rooted in, in the entire concept of our will, our emotions, and our feelings, right? Food is, a, food is the one that just it gets us every time. I know it does me. And so it, is, it prioritizes a hunger for God over a hunger for anything else, right? So there's just a couple quick facts. What is fasting? What is biblical fasting? So we find that biblical fasting is not eating food for a specific predetermined and sometimes open-ended <laughs> time frame. So the Lord in my life, 37 years, has called me three times to an open-ended fast where he, I said, how long? And he said, how long is it going to take us to figure this out? And I was like, hopefully not that long. And so, and so there's only three times, but usually it's very clear. Usually the Lord is like, I need you to fast Tuesdays. Or I need you to like Lent is coming, you know, or, or January, you know, usually it's, He's pretty, he's pretty good with me, but there have been times, and I'm not necessarily a fast learner all the time, so some of those have been long. Um, so there's fasting versus abstaining. We're talking about fasting food. Um, fasting can be, it can be a full fast. So there are times when the Lord has said very seldomly that we are not going to, we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink. And there's a story that we'll talk about later in Nineveh where they didn't even let their animals eat and drink. Oh my, Mike, peppers wouldn't like that. We're not doing that fast at our house. And so, and then there's a, there's a food fast and everybody, most scholars agree that a food fast is what Jesus did for 40 days. Cause at the end it said, he said, I'm, I'm hungry. He didn't say I'm thirsty, right? So most people believe that Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days from food. There's a partial fast where sometimes the Lord will call you and ask you just not to 
um, eat certain things, or maybe just fast breakfast, or there's a 24-hour fast. There's a, there's a fast that is an undetermined time until you see an outcome, right? Those are, those are interesting. Some, I, honestly, I think they're sometimes a little bit frightening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But with hope, hopefully frightening. And so it's kind of like intermittent fasting. Now, how many of y'all know about intermittent fasting? Y'all do. Come on, you watch it. Intermittent fasting. So, like, intermittent fasting right now is this the rage, right? Everyone, you can eat 16 hours and then you don't eat eight, and then, or maybe it's just me because I'm an old person, but 20 hours, then you can eat during four hours. And then, like, a year or two ago, intermittent fasting was the, everyone should do it. Intermittent fasting will change your life and, and your health forever. And then it was, well, now it's, you're probably doing intermittent fasting wrong. And so three, three reasons why you're doing it wrong. So if you follow any kind of social media or YouTube, there's a million different ways to do intermittent fasting. Well, it's kind of like that. Like, so fasting, biblical fasting, spiritual fasting is a little like that. But here's the one thing that is different, the key that is different. There's a million ways to do it. But the key is you don't get to decide what that is. The key to a spiritual fast is that God gets to direct you in what that is. Because otherwise, it just gets religious. Like, God, I fasted. I'm fasting every Tuesday. You should respond. And it becomes manipulative. Or it becomes this, this way that we go, well, I, I fast every Monday. Excuse me. So it becomes the trophy on the shelf, right? And the whole point of fasting is to put the self away, right? Put the self on the shelf. Right, and so so it it can be a different a bunch of different ways, but God gets to decide. He gets to decide when, how, all of those different things. He gets to decide how we do it. Now there was fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament, so we're not going to go to that place where we're like that's such an Old Testament thing. But we are living post cross. Well. It was in the Old Testament. We saw the prophets fasting. We saw kings and queens like King David and Queen Esther. They fasted. We saw whole nations fasting. There's this thing called a corporate fast where as a nation, they were brought together in a fast for the purposes of repentance or we're going we're gonna to look at a few other purposes, but repentance or protection. But in the New Testament, we saw Jesus fasting, the disciples fasted, the early church fasted. So even after Jesus went up to heaven, he's sitting up there at the right hand of God. Guess what people are doing down here as they're establishing the church? They're fasting. They're fasting. And so fasting is not an if, it's a when. So Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount one of his most famous messages, he says, when you fast, he doesn't say, hey, if you guys ever decide to fast, this would be a really good idea. You should do it this way. He says, people, when you fast, I just want to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like. And when we get to the how of fasting, we're going to, we're going to unpack that a little bit. But Jesus gets really prescriptive. When you fast, when you pray, when you give, and you know, I got to tell you, the when you fast, our bodies don't like to be told what to do. That is the reason you want a pizza. The moment you say, I'm going to fast on Monday, you're like, what time does Domino's open? I need a pizza. How early can I get those fries made at In-N-Out? 1030. Um, so you can like, <laughs> just saying, you get done at 1030. Just saying. In case you ever need that, that one's free. And so, but... <laughs> 
so our bodies don't like being told what to do. And so anyways, we're going to just move on from that very vulnerable moment. So fasting was the early church. It was cities. Jesus spoke about it. He said, when you fast. Now the why of fasting. Okay. So in the Bible, there's a bunch of, there's a myriad of examples. It was a spiritual discipline that was widely practiced by people who lived in the Old Testament, by the Jewish nation, and also by other religions. If you look at other religions, fasting is also a part of, of their practices. But why? So as we look in the Bible and we look at examples, so fasting is either kind of boils down to two things. It's either a response or a request. So it is either a response to grief. So we see in the Bible that when someone was grieving, they ripped their clothes, they put themselves in sackcloth and ashes, and they fasted. They just refused to eat. How many have ever been just so grieving that you're like, I just can't, I just can't eat. So fasting was a response to grief whereby someone was just in so much sorrow and they're looking to the Lord and they're like, gosh, I'm just grieving. You're going to have to help me. So it was a response to that. Fasting was also a response to repentance. It was a symbol of repentance. So in other words, so here's a great story. The, the prophet Jonah, he was Jonah and the whale. And he was told, the reason why he was in the whale was because God told him to go to this country called Nineveh. They were very wicked, and they weren't God followers. And he said, go preach to them so they can repent, so I can save them. And Jonah's like, no, I hate them. I'm going to jump in the ocean. And so he gets swallowed by a whale, spit out. He eventually fights with God. Then he eventually goes and tells him, hey, you guys, God's pretty much going to take you out because you're wicked. And the king does something really amazing. The king goes, everybody stop. The king is so convicted in his heart, and he decides that the entire nation of Nineveh needs to repent. And so he says he calls his entire, and when the king calls you in those days, you like did it or you didn't exist anymore. And so he calls everybody and he says, okay, we're going to fast, and maybe God will have mercy. But here's the deal. No food, no water, don't even feed your goats or your chickens. Like nobody eats, nobody drinks, and we are going to go to the Lord and say, sorry, God, this is a corporate fast. And in this case, because how many of you know, fasting changes the world around you. You got a world you don't like living in? It's time to fast, people. It's time to fast. You got a country you don't like living in. It's time to fast. Just stop talking about it. It's time to fast for our nation, for our country, for our cities, for our families. It's time to fast. And the king was smart enough to know that. And so it says that God saw the humbling. They humbled themselves before him. And it says that God responded and he saved them. And it makes me laugh that Jonah gets mad and goes up and sits on a rock. I'm so unhappy. I'm like, well, see how that worked out for you, prophet. So anyways, he gets it together in the end. He does. He gets it together in the end. So, so fasting is a, is a response to things like grief, sorrow, repentance. It was actually a response also to God's provision. So there was a happy part of that response. So the whole, um, the whole, season of like Yom Kippur is that the priests are going in and they're receiving, you know, the, the, 
they're doing their stuff before the Lord, and then God is forgiving their sins, and there's all the, the righteousness and all of that. And anyways, when they come out, the way that they partook in what was going on was that they fasted. So it was a response to things that God was doing really great. Like, oh, that's so great. God, you just covered all of my sins, and that's so awesome. I'm not even going to eat because what you just did is so much more important than anything that I could ever want. And so, so it's a response to that. Now, the second thing is that it, it's a request, right? So most of the time when we saw in scripture of people fasting, it was because they needed something. So there's two different kind of categories. The first one is they needed wisdom or revelation, so there was something that they needed to know, but they needed to know what God thought about it and what God felt about it. And they were having a little bit, they were just not clear. And so there's a season of fasting where they're like pressing in and they're listening and they're just trying to figure out what God means. And how many of you know that sometimes you think, I don't know if it's just me, it could be, but there's times I was certain that the Lord was saying something yeah. that he wasn't. And now that I'm old, I get the benefit of looking back hindsight. And I'm like, whoa, I had that wrong. I had that wrong. And that aha moment where you're like, did anyone else see that? I hope not. I hope not. And so there's this moment where you're like, I think I'm hearing God, but I'm not quite sure I really need revelation. Now, one of the people who is famous for this is the prophet Daniel. So Daniel had two times in his life where he received kind of, he was reading the scriptures and he kind of got a revelation about the nation of Israel. And another time where he received a prophecy and he just was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to make of this. And so Daniel fasted before the Lord for revelation. This is a prophet Daniel. I mean, he was a He's a pretty great guy. I mean, as far as like, if we're all like rating people in the Bible, he's, he's up there. He got through the lions and all of that stuff. And so he, he fasted for revelation. And so I was asking the Lord, this whole day of wisdom and revelation, like that is something that's personally that if or when, when I fast, one of the things that I find that is the most active is wisdom and revelation. I don't know if it's because I need it more than everybody else, but those aha moments really come when I can settle and quiet my flesh so that I can actually hear God. And so I had something this week that just, that just kind of tickled my heart, but the Lord was like, that's it. That's, that's me and you right here. So I was, you know, you guys have to listen to stories about my grandkids. It is the cost of being in relationship with me. You have to look at the pictures, you have to smile, and you have to listen to stories about my grandkids. So I was with, I have seven under four. So Jack is turning three next week. So I was with Jack on Friday, and it was raining really hard. And for whatever reason, Jack was concerned all day about two things. Did I have a jacket that was going to keep me from being wet? And he was concerned about me driving my car home in the rain. So which this is just Jack and his sweetheart for his Nana. Nana, you have a jacket? I'm like, do I have a jacket? I have a rain jacket. Doesn't look like yours. Doesn't have Spider-Man on it, but it's a jacket. And so I'm in the kitchen and I'm doing the dishes. I once asked my grandkids, if you wrote a book about Nana, what would it say? And they go, she cooks, she cleans, she takes care of us. So I was doing what Nanas do. I'm in the kitchen, I'm doing the dishes, I'm busy. I'm like doing all stuff. And Jack comes in and he goes, Nana, you can stay for free. And so I'm like, yeah, for free, kiddo. So now y'all need to understand, we all have filters, right? Okay, my, I come from the corporate America, and my world was hotels. I worked in the hotel business. So my filter is, guess what? 
hotels. So when Jack comes in and he says, Nana, you could stay for free because he's thinking about, I don't want her driving home. And I look at him and I'm like, for free? You mean I don't have to pay? No, for free, Nana. And I'm like, so I don't have to give you any of my dollars because he loves getting dollars out of my purse. I don't have to give you any of my dollars. Nana can stay for free. That is so sweet. And we just, we enter into this like, he keeps saying it, and I'm like, oh, look, he loves it. I'm like, oh, you're so cute. You're like so my perfect grandchild. Like me. And he just keeps saying it. And at some point, I watch my daughter walk out of the kitchen trying not to laugh, and I go, I think I'm getting it wrong. I think I'm probably, like I'm hearing, but I am not getting it. There's something. Now, how many of you know in your life, there's, you've got some situations like this. Like, I know I'm hearing, and I've got some filters that are telling me what I think this might be, but I think it might not be. So I'm having that moment. So I go, okay. I turn off the water, dry my hands. I come over. I stop, like, everything that I'm doing. And I come over, and I, Nana can stay for free. And he goes, Nana, you can stay for free. For free. And I'm like, for three. <laughs> like, aha, uh -huh, I could stay for three. Now, three days, three years, three minutes, I don't know. But whatever it was, I could stay for free. And he goes, yeah, for three. And I just was like, at that moment, God said, Julie, that's me and you on some things. Your filters are taking you down another road. But I, I'm trying to tell you three. I'm trying to tell you three, but I need you to stop and turn off the water and put all of this stuff in your brain, in your heart, your preconceived notions, all the things that you think I'm saying, stop it, create a space and lean in. What are you saying, God? And the aha moment comes for revelation and his wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit wisdom that comes. And I just, and the Lord was like, you and me are like that on some things. And I'm like, oh, gosh, well, I want to know those things. I want to get rid of those things. I want to hear what you have to say because I have a hunger to know what God thinks. See, I have a hunger. So there's areas of my life where I think I have probably made assumptions of what God wants, but maybe I haven't heard right, and so I'm frustrated just saying, God, you got a problem. <laughs> this thing I know you want. He's like, really, do I? Do I really want that? Three. So fasting was a request for God's wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Jack. Fasting was also a request for God's intervention in the area of his provision, in the area of his protection, in the area of his empowerment. It was a request like, God, we're surrounded. <laughs> I think we need some help. So fasting was that. So there's a great story that is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. There's a great story 
in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And it's um, Jehoshaphat is the guy who's leading the nation of Israel at this point. And it, come, he, it comes to pass that they figure out they're surrounded. So there's an enemy that comes in, massive enemy. They're just, you know, kind of the little guys and they're surrounded and they're terrified. And literally they have in their power, they have no ability to protect themselves, right? But Jehoshaphat is the leader and he's going to have this amazing leader moment. And so Jehoshaphat gets all of the people together because clearly like there is no other outcome that they can see in their flesh that this works out well. There isn't an outcome that they can see that works out well in their own understanding. But Jehoshaphat knows enough to do this. In 2 Chronicles 20, 12, he brings all the people together and he says, we're going to humble ourselves with fasting. We're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're just going to ask God. We're going to seek God. And he begins to pray. All the people are like, yes, let's do this. Let's fast and let's seek the Lord. And so it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, he's actually praying and he says, God, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. It's one of the most powerful scriptures. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Like, God, in and of myself, I got nothing. And I can tell you, sometimes as a leader, there are times when I'm just like, God, like, I know they think I have the answer, but I got nothing. I hope they, you know, like, I hope somebody else has a really good idea. And so he gets everybody and they're fasting. So they take, they symbolically take any of their ability, their reliance on themselves, and they put it aside for the sake of saying, but my eyes are on you. So tell us what to do. And the story goes that the Lord began to show them, hey, don't worry, because this is what I need you to do. I need you to take like the worshipers. I need to put them here. I need you to do this. I need you to come this way. And I need you to start walking. This is what I need to do. And they're like, okay, our eyes are on you. We're not going to rely on any of our wisdom. We're not going to start training like whatever, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And he is actually the one who knows how it's supposed to go. So get off the highway right? And let me show you how to do it. So they do all the stuff. They just follow them step by step, step by step. They're fasting, they're praying, their eyes are on him. And they get to the battlefield and the enemy has completely annihilated itself. They never even had to fight. The Lord went before, they turned on each other and they got there and they're like, whoa. And the fear of them just spread throughout the land because it was like, God did this. They turned on each other. They killed each other. And the Lord is like, you don't even have to fight. You just need to get in the lane where my sovereign power is at work. But if you're going to be over here in the lane where your power is at work, that's a little bit harder. But you get in the lane because I'm trying to tell you three. And you're over here like, what's free? You're like three. And so... Fasting was a way to request God's power, his protection, his provision. 
That was how they, it positioned them for that. Fasting changes the world around us. It replaces our self-reliance with reliance upon God. So these are all the things I trust in. I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. I'm really good at this. That's all self-reliant. But fasting says, I'm going to shut all that off. My eyes are on you. It replaces reliance upon ourselves in the natural to invoke reliance upon God in the supernatural, right? So at its core, that process is fasting. And it's probably like if I were to say, describe fasting in one line, fasting is an act of self-humbling. Okay, because in order to do that, you got to be humble, right? You've got to say, we have no power. I can't defeat this enemy. All I need to know, I don't actually know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That's a very humbling statement, right? So fasting is an act of self-humbling. Now, here's an interesting thing. The Bible tells us that we are to humble ourselves. It doesn't actually say, ask God to humble you. It says, hey, Christian, Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. You humble yourself, he exalts you. You decrease, he increases, right? So he tells us that the act of humbling is something we should do for ourselves. Now, one of the things that we understand about biblical history is that the way that people humbled themselves was through the process of fasting. David says, King David says, I humbled myself with fasting. Ezra, there's a prophet that's bringing the Israelites back from captivity. He said, we all got together. We didn't want to ask the king because we wanted to show him how powerful God was. We just humbled ourselves with fasting and we asked him to protect us as we made our way to our homeland. So to humble yourself with fasting is a biblical teaching. So one of the ways that we do that is through this process of fasting, right? The Lord says, humble yourself, okay? Humble myself, and I do that through this process. Now, here's an interesting thing. I got a, I got a, I got a Jake story, because it seems like every time I talk, Jake, who's our AV manager and one of my favorite people on the planet, um, there's always a Jake story. So, <laughs> so Jake is that kid. I said early service, he's going to get a mansion in heaven just for all of the years he's had to spend with me, helping me. And so he's the kid who, he's just techie, right? He knows everything technologically. So there's times where I'm fumbling with my phone. Where is that? I didn't get that. Like I press on that link and it's really not working. And Jake does this. And I'm like, wait, give me back my phone. Like, give me my phone, Jake. And he just starts pressing buttons and you know, he knows all my passwords because he used to be my intern. So, you know, like he knows all my passwords. I'm like, I may have to kill you. And so he, he's going to take that to the grave. So he's just swiping and pushing. And I'm like, give me back my phone. And, and here's the question that I always have to answer in my mind. Do I want to do it or do I want it done? If I want to do it, I have to take my phone back from Jake, but here's the problem. I don't know how to do it. I would have done it in the first place, and we wouldn't have been having this problem, right? So I don't actually know how to do it. But do I want it done? If I want it done, I got to let Jake have my phone. 
Hopefully he won't snap pictures of himself that come up when my screensaver goes on. And so if I want it done, I got to humble myself and say, I don't know how to do it, and then let Jake do it. It's the same thing when I'm having a problem with my computer. My engineer husband comes and says, get up from the chair. I'm like, no. Just tell me what to do. He's like, Julie, just get up from the chair and let me have the keyboard. No, don't touch my keyboard. And so he's like, so do I want to do it or do I want it done? And so that requires a humbling and, and just, and you know, I mean, Jake got in my car the other day. I got this car and it's got all this like electronic stuff. And he got in my car, he goes, hey, Julie, you know your car does this? And I'm like, no, I actually don't. I know how to turn my car on. I know where Maps is. And he's like, well, look. And he starts swiping the screen and he's, you know, he's looking at his phone. He's like, no, here, I can make this happen for you. And I'm like, do I want to do it or do I want it done? I'm going to let Jake handle this. And so here's the thing that I got to say, like just with that phone, put the phone down. See, some of you are holding onto the phone and you, you have something that you need done. And my question to you is, do you want to do it or do you want it done? Because God is like, and you're like, I just don't know. Just tell me. Can you just tell me? Can you tell me? And you're like, well, just give me the phone. And the Lord is like, hey, give me the phone. Put the phone down and let me have it. And so I do feel like there are times in our life and there are things in our life where we're just, we just want to do it ourselves. But God has said through this process of fasting, humble yourself right? Get rid of your reliance upon yourself, your intelligence, what you think, what you feel, what you want, like all of those things. Put that aside and let me, let me show you the good plan I have for you. Let me release that over your life. Position yourself in that lane. And so fasting positions us to live in the fullness of God's sovereign wisdom, his power, and his plan right? And as we yield to him, well, wait, I want to I talk about yielding in just a second. Here's an interesting fact. Jesus, in his fasting process, Jesus got baptized, and it says that the Holy Spirit came, and he was in the fullness of the Spirit. He went into the desert for 40 days, and the thing he did was fast, right? So Jesus went into the desert in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that after he had fasted, and the, the enemy came and was tempting him, but he was, he was strong. He was victorious. It says that after he went through that process, he went in in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went in in the fullness. You guys got the Holy Spirit. You believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, temple, Holy Spirit, all that. He came out in the power because there was a yielding. There was a yielding of his flesh. And it enabled the Holy Spirit to come in, and it released the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And I mean, if that's Jesus, well, I'm just saying, just saying. So fasting is a spiritual exercise whereby we learn to yield to the Spirit. We yield our flesh. Because here's the deal. Derek Prince says that your body makes a wonderful servant but a horrible master. Your body doesn't like to be told what to do. Your body makes a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. Your body should never be in control. It has a really loud voice. Your body wants things, it feels things, and it thinks things. And they are not always aligned with the Spirit of God.
right? And so as we, so the, the act of fasting, it's funny because it's just, it's a physical thing, Julie. It's just not eating food. Yes, but you want food and you feel hungry or hangry and you think things when you're not eating. You think things like, if that person cuts me off, I'm gonna kill him. I think I better eat or this isn't gonna go well. Like you think things, I need to eat. Like you feel things, right? So the flesh, as it is described in the Bible, encompasses all those three things, the mind, the will, and the emotions. You think, you want, you feel. And so when the Bible talks about your flesh, it is all those three things. But when we are not eating food, all those three things are in play. And so that's why fasting is this great process of learning to yield. Now, Galatians 5, this is so good. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, Paul is saying, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, mind, will, and emotions. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So our old carnal, so our carnal nature that I think, I feel, I want desires what is contrary to the things of the spirit. So we've got to tone that voice down, right? We're like, buddy, you don't get a, you're not in control. Like, in fact, you died. Like you're an old man, you died. I want to be led by the spirit, right? But there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And so it goes on to say that the, the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want to do, right? So they're in conflict to each other. You don't just get to do whatever you want, think, and feel. Or maybe you do. But guess what? If you are, you got that phone in your hand, you got that phone. I want to, like, you got to talk to that I want, I think, I feel thing that's going on in your life. And one of the ways that you do that is you say, tell you what, I'm going to fast. Body, you make a wonderful servant, and now you're going to serve me. Because I want to make space for the Holy Spirit in my life. And as long as this want, think, and feel is on the highway, there's no room right? And so what we want to do is release the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And just like Jesus did, we got the fullness. People, you got the Holy Spirit. Like, you got that. We want to release the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the practice of that is fasting. So fasting releases the power of the Spirit in our lives, but not so fast. So Jesus gave us instructions. When you fast, because I think we've made a case. We get it, right? God is like three, you know, just kill the flat, like all of that, right? So it's, it should be a part of our regular Christian experience. But Jesus actually talked about this, and he addressed this. The thing I love about Jesus so much was he just made all the religious people mad. Like he just, he just man, he hit religion. Like this isn't about religion, people. This is not what that is. So in Galatians 5... I'm sorry, in Matthew 6, in Matthew 6, he says, it's Jesus talking, verse 16 to 18, when you fast, okay, that's a given, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. You know why? Because they were fasting for the purpose of receiving something for them, their self, so God's like, 
Mission accomplished. Yourself just got something because people think you're all that in a bag of chips. So spiritual, I'm just, I'm just fasting every Monday. And Jesus is like, stop it. Stop it. That's not what the fast is. And it says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Totally different. Don't put oil. It was like basically brush your hair, wash your face. Get outside, right? Put a smile on your face so that it's not obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So God is like, oh man, she's so prioritizing. She's putting away self-reliance because she wants to be reliant on, reliant on me. Ah, I love that. But he's saying, because people were of the habit of being like, I'm so pious, I'm so righteous, I just fast, I fast all the time, and people are like, oh my God, you're so great. He's like, don't do that. Stop that, because that's not the fast that I've called you to, because it's completely contrary to what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is you're supposed to decrease, and I'm supposed to increase in your life, right? So it's not a spiritual manipulation. We don't fast for favor from man or from God. Okay, I'm going to say that. Now hear me. We don't fast to receive favor from man, and we don't fast to receive favor from God. We got favor. When Jesus died on the cross, we stepped into a favorable relationship with him. We have favor, right? We have it. So we don't fast to go, oh, God, give me favor. God, look upon me with favor. He's like, all right, done. Like that was so 2,000 years ago, Julie. Like you got favor. That's not what we do. But we can fast to have favor with people, right? So Esther fasted to have favor with the king in that regard for her nation. But we don't fast so that people go, oh, you're so wonderful, right? That's not what we're trying to do. Esther needed a protection that came from favor, totally different. So God is like, be careful. So in Isaiah 58, 6, the prophet is talking to God about some things, and, and the people were going, gosh, you know, I don't understand why God's so mad at us because we fast, we fast all the time. We held all the statues. We are fasting. And in Isaiah 58, 6, the Lord is like, yeah, I'm not listening because you're fasting for selfish ambition. You're fasting so that yourself is promoted. And the whole point of fasting is what? You must decrease so that he can increase. So it's like, I'm not actually listening to that. You fast and then you're mean to everybody. You're like mean to your employees. You're, you're, you're just, it's not, you're not, it's, 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 you're not actually being compliant with what my heart is during that time, right? You're being inconsistent. And so he's like, that's not the fast I want. The fast I want, the Lord says, is that it loosens the bonds of wickedness. It undoes the heavy burdens that people are walking under. It lets oppressed people go and it breaks yokes. The fast that I want brings freedom. It brings me into the situation. That's the fast that I want. I don't want the fast that promotes you because my heart is for those things. Now, those things can be in your life. Like, God, fast that I need to be free from this thing, man. I need to be free from this behavior, free from this addiction. Right now, God is walking me through this period of there's been a, a just something that I've battled with probably my whole life, just like like family of origin things, thoughts that the Lord is like, I don't think that's my voice. And, and I need to break that thing. 
Like, and that was my word in December. Like, God, I want to break this. I just, I find myself continually going back to this thought process. And, and the Lord was like, okay, stop eating food. And I'm like, okay, we'll do a fast. And I'm like, for how long? He goes, well, how long is it going to take? That was frightening. I'm like, well, it's taking me a long time and some other things. I don't know. I hope I learned quick. And so I had to think about it because I don't want to promise God something I'm not going to do. But I'm like, he's like, how bad do you really want to get to the root of this? These aha moments that the Lord is asking to walk me through. And he goes, you're going to actually need to break that for what's coming. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, I will. I'll do it. And we'll do it until it gets done. And he's like, yeah, but the one thing is I want to be in control. I want to tell you how it happens, when it happens, where it happens, how it morphs. I want to be in control. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can yield to that. And so he's walking me through some of those things. But that's the fast God wants. He wants to break the yokes in your life. He wants injustice to stop. He wants to loosen bonds, right? And he, that's what he's trying to do in this process of fasting. And if we still have those today, then we should still be fasting. Like our country needs a good fast, our world does. Our families need a good fast. And the Lord is saying, I want to do all these things. I want to loosen the bonds of wickedness in your family. I want to do this. I want to let oppressed people go free. I want to break the yokes that you've been living with. Will you create space for me? Will you yield your flesh, your strength, your ability, will you yield that to me so that I can release the power of my Holy Spirit in your life, so that I can be positioned in a way that you can walk in the fullness of everything I have for you? Will you do that? And we get to answer because fasting will change our life. James, can you come up? So three ways that fasting changes our life. One of them is it releases the power of the Holy Spirit. The next one is that it positions us to live in the fullness of God's sovereign wisdom, his power and his plan. How many of you want that? How many of you want to live in the fullness? I don't want no partial provision and plan. I just don't. And the third thing is that it changes the world around us. And I got to tell you, when I started this message, I didn't have that on there. And the Lord kept saying, put that in your notes. Put that in your notes. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not really talking about like corporate. Like, you know, we're not. The Lord was like, put it. Put it in your notes. And so I put it in my notes. And as I began just ruminating over them and praying over them and rewriting them and rewriting them, that fasting changes the world around us became the most important thing. Like I started to get a burden for changing the world around me, the family, the community, the church, our cities, our countries. And I started to develop God's heart and his burden for that. And I'm like, how did I not have that? on my list fasting changes the world around me so those are the three ways that fasting will change your life you can't get in the way of god's outpouring blessing and not get soaked in it people just 
I want to I want to do something right now. The Lord said that today we were going to release hunger. He said, Julie, I need you to release hunger in their midst. And I'm like, can I do that? And he's like, yeah, I want you to. I want you to do that. Because there's people who haven't been hungry in a really long time and they miss it. It's okay. I guess okay. But God wants you to be hungry. Like you were created to hunger for God. Like you were made for that. And he wants you to get back to what you were made for. And he's patient. You know, baby steps. I always say, pull the target closer. I can't hit that, but I can hit that. And he's patient in that process. He wants to give you some victories where you get to experience it, and you're like, whoa, that was crazy. I want to do that again. I want to do that again. So he wants to give you some baby steps, but I want to release hunger in your life. So here's what we're going to do. I just want to read a scripture over you, and then um, I'm going to have you stand. Sit right now. But then I'm going to have you stand, and we're going we're gonna to do that. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh, God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I look for you in the sanctuary to behold your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips praise you and I bless you as long as I live and I lift up my hands and call on your name. Lord, your love is better than life. My soul hungers and thirsts for you, God. Now I want to have you all stand. If you would just stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. God, I just release hunger, a hunger for you just across this whole sanctuary and at home, the people at home right now, God, that by your Holy Spirit, God, you're making them hungry. God, you're making them hungry. Like hunger is rising up. A hunger for you is rising up and it is displacing a hunger for all the other things in life that have been distracting them, that have been holding them back that have been stalling their progress, that have been keeping them in bondage, that a hunger for you is growing right now and it is displacing all of those other things. And so God, I thank you right now that you're making them all hungry. I release that. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we release your power in their lives. God, right now, I pray that each and every one of them would begin to ask God when when should I fast what would you like me to do how should this look and as they do that God just mm, meet them in that place because you get to be in control you are holding the phone God you get to be in control 
And so, God, I thank you for that, and I seal that. In the powerful name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen.